with me today, so get your hand up real high and let him get you one. Um, we've been talking about the rules of engagement. We've talked about love and faith. Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says the faith and hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, the message says it a little way. It says trust is steadily, hope is unswervingly, and love is extravagantly. Now, the reason that love is greater than the other two is one day your faith is going to give away to sight. In other words, you won't need faith anymore when you see Jesus face to face. And so, the day's coming when faith won't matter, when hope will give away to experience. And so the reason that love is the greatest of the three is because love is eternal. Love will never go away. Now, we've talked about faith. This week we're going to talk about hope. Go with me to the book of Zechariah, chapter 9. Zechariah 9, you say, where is that at? Well, in the Old Testament, if you go backwards, it's Malachi, then Zechariah. Now, hope, guys, is a favorable and confident expectation. Hope is an anticipation. I don't know, this may date me a little bit, and some of you remember years ago, there was a Heinz ketchup commercial. And the little boy would get the ketchup, and he'd turn it upside down, and he'd start popping the top. And it would say, anticipation. Anticipation. Well, that's what hope is, guys. It's an anticipation. But it's something I, I can't let go of. And you may be here today. And you may be in a situation you feel hopeless. Well, you're not going to leave here hopeless. I'm going to tell you that right now. We're going to put some hope back in you through the scriptures that you understand God's heart here. Now, remember, last week, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you see two of those right there in this one verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Both hope and faith, they have their value. Hope, listen real closely here, hope sets the goal, faith obtains the goal. But if you don't have faith, guys, you won't have hope. I mean, you don't have hope, you won't have faith. So let's learn something here as we start this morning. Zechariah 9, verse 12. Return to the stronghold. The Amplified says there, return to your former prosperity. And so with the word return there... It tells me that that may be one time or another in your life, you walked in some of the blessings of God, but you've left them. So he's given us invitation, return to the stronghold. Now, I love this next part. You prisoners of hope. You prisoners of hope. Now, you think about a prisoner. What happens to them? They're locked up. They can't go anywhere. Well, I believe God wants you and me locked up in hope today. That everywhere you go, everything you see in life is surrounded by His hope. And the difference between a, a determined attitude and a bad attitude, it's hope. Because hope is a positive outlook on life. Hope is a positive attitude on life. Hope thinks and says, something good's going to happen to me. Something's good's going to happen to me. And some of you right now are saying, well, nothing good ever happens to me. Well, today you're going to get stirred up on the inside. Now look at his next, next uh, sentence here. Even today. 
Now, I'm going to highlight that word today. He doesn't say tomorrow. He doesn't say next week, next year. He said even today. The reason I want to highlight that is procrastination's a killer. And every one of us in here at one time or other, we've procrastinated. We say, well, maybe next week, maybe next month. Maybe. No, he says something real interesting here today. Now, I want you to look at the ingredients that he's already talked about. He said, return. How am I to return? With hope. When am I to return? Today. Today. So guess what? Today's your day. Now, look at the blessing here that goes with it. That I will restore double to you. Double for your trouble. The New International Version says, Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much. This is God's heart for each one of us in here. The message says, Double bonus on everything you lost. So you know what today is? Today is double coupon day. How You're going to get blessed. Double today is what he's talking about. Now, let me ask you some questions here. What's your expectation today? Do you have good expectations or you got bad? Because sometimes one of the symptoms that we've lost hope is a thing called dread. And you know what dread does? Dread will steal the very life right out of you when you begin to dread things in your life. And how does dread show up? You start expecting bad to happen. You think bad. That's Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinketh, so is he. And you talk bad. That's Proverbs 18, 21. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so maybe today there's some things in your life that you dread right now. Well, I believe God wants to move you to a prisoner of hope. Where you become a person that lives by hope. Now, go back to your left to the, the 27th Psalm. The 27th Psalm. And, and as you're turning there, I want to give you a phrase that has become really big, really popular in my own life. And you know what that is? On purpose. I got to do things on purpose. I got to do things intentionally. That becomes a choice. See, no one can choose for you. No one can be determined for you. And so I can't think, well, when I feel like it. If you're going by your feelings, you may never get anything done. If you think it's going to happen accidental, it's not. It's going to be on purpose. And the difference when I do things on purpose or I don't is the difference between a wishbone and a backbone. See, many times we have no backbone. We wish. Well, I wish something good would happen to me. I wish I could get married. I wish I could get... I'm going to tell you, that's not God's heart. It's a determined and it's a choice. Look at Psalm chapter 27, verse 13. Now get this, this is good right here. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. The Amplified says, What would have become of me unless I would have believed? Now David is saying here a question. What would become of me if I don't believe? And to believe, guys, it becomes a choice that I begin to look to God and say, Okay, Father God, you've got plans for me. Look what he says next. That I would see the goodness of the Lord. So you know what he's telling me here? 
He believed God that he would see the goodness of the Lord. I believe God wants every one of us to get over in that. In our lives where we believe God, God, you're going you're to show me your goodness. Where at? Look what he says. In the land of the living. Not in the land of the dead, but in the land of the living. So, right here, he believed that he would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This wasn't by accident, guys. This was a choice that he said, I'm going to believe God. And when I read this, I really get that things in his life probably weren't good. And so that's what he said. If they were good, why would he believe for anymore? So he's saying here, I'm going to believe God. Verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Now, that's not a real popular phrase. None of us really like to wait on anything. You know why? Because we lived in such a rush society. But there's something that happens when we wait. You know what wait means? You're going to have to have some patience. You know what that means? It's not going to happen on your timetable. He says, wait on the Lord. Right there, the Amplified says, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Not just wait. But wait and hope for and expect. While you're waiting, you ought to be expecting. You ought to be anticipating. What am I anticipating? Well, my confidence, my hope is in Father God. Now, here's the deal. When I look at this, if your faith is in people, they're going to let you down every time. I don't care who they are. If your faith is in me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to let you down. Not because I want to. That's just in humanity. That's just the way we are. And so if your faith is in people or things, your expectation is in the wrong place. i got to get my eyes on God. And some of you will say, well, why did I get married? Isn't my spouse supposed to make me happy? Actually, the purpose of the marriage covenant is for me to make her happy. See, so many times in our life, we've even got that wrong. We think she's here to make me happy. Wrong. I'm here to make her happy. But the bottom line is this, is when you begin to look at things and people to make you, you're going to live disappointed. You're going to get into some situations that you think, man, this is hopeless. This is no good. Now look what he says. Be of good courage. Be brave. And that's, this is big, guys. And you know what this means? Don't quit. When the going gets tough, the tough quit. No, when the going gets tough, the tough get going and things, you begin to take courage and you say, you know what? I'm going to trust you today, Father God. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to trust you. Now look at the next part. And he, Father God, shall strengthen your heart. When I trust God, God brings an encouragement. God brings a strength and God will bring a confidence. Look how he ends once again. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Yes, wait and hope for and expect. Now, I say all that, where there's hope, there's life. And where there's life, there's hope. So if you're going through this thing called life and you still got hope, that's good. You still got some opportunities. Now, go with me to the book of Daniel, back to your right a little bit. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel 3, and as you're turning there, I'm telling you, this is a great scripture for you to get on the inside of you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, 
thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. I like that. God wants to give you a future and God wants to give you a hope. Now what I like about scripture, guys, many times scripture reveals how God moved in people's life who were in situations that it looked like it was hopeless. Listen right now. Just think in your life. Are you in any situations, circumstances that seem hopeless? We can learn right here from this today. And in this passage of scripture, there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And, And Nebuchadnezzar, he comes up with this brilliant idea to make this golden image. And so he makes this golden image and he makes a decree that he's going to play all these musical instruments. And when the music stops, everyone's got to fall down and worship that golden image. But if you don't, I'm going to heat this fiery furnace up and I'm going to throw you in there. Well, this is where this story begins. Daniel 3, verse 8. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and they accused the Jews. They spoke and they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all these instruments shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the fairs of province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men. O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now really, I believe these guys are telling the king this. They're doing it out of jealousy. They don't like these three Hebrew boys, the position they're in. And so verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage, fury, he gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time when you hear the sound of all these instruments, if you don't fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from your hands? So they're in a situation, it doesn't look good in the natural. Doesn't look good at all. But look what they do in verse 16. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, it's not even necessary. You know why they said that? Because even even in a situation that seemed hopeless, their attitude didn't change toward God. It was as if they were saying, there's our hope right there. Listen, buddy, you can do whatever you want to us. It's not going to change who we are toward our God. So look what happens, verse uh, 17. If, there's a tr- if this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods. Nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So you know what they did right here? They refused to compromise their standard. You know why they did that? Because their hope was in God. 
It's amazing to me right here that when, when pressure, persecution came, they didn't change, guys. They didn't melt. They kept looking toward God, even in a situation that seemed hopeless. Now, you know what the king does? He throws them in. He turns that furnace up seven times hotter than it naturally ought to be, and he throws them in. This is where the story picks back up. There, we're going to jump in at verse number 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Didn't we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he said, Look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You know what these guys done? Their hope was in God. You know what they said? We win either way. You know how we win? God's going to deliver us number one or number two. We get to go to heaven. My hope's in either way I win. And so because what takes place here, man, this has got the king all messed up. He's seeing this and he said, there's four in there now and the fourth one looked like the son of God. Can you imagine what that fourth one looked like? He must have been arrayed in splendor. His glory must have shown because here this king says, this dude's got to be the son of God. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and he spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen how he addresses them now. Servants of the Most High God. Servants. Come out and come here. Then they came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the kings, the counselors, they gathered together. And they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, and listen to this, listen, and he delivered his servants who trusted in him. He delivered his... Now, I'm going to tell you right now. There's hope for everyone. When you're a servant of the Most High God, even when it seems like a hopeless, a dead-end situation, when you honor God, despair will, will flee in the face of that hope, that confidence in God. See, many times, the very problems we're going through... Those problems are your promotion. A lot of times we don't look at the problem as our promotion. But what happens when the problem comes on us, many times we allow the problem to squeeze out our identity. And so right here, these guys, because they knew God, they said, man, there's our God, that's our hope. God's going to make things. God will do the same for you. When you begin to make a stand for Him, you know what hope says? I believe God's going to do something good today. I believe God's going to move in my life today. Now, I want you to go to the book of Mark. Let's go into the New Testament for a minute here. Mark chapter number 5. And we're going to really learn something here this morning. You know, King David said in Psalm 39, 7, he said, My hope is in you. My hope is in you. And guys, that's something we all got to understand. My hope can't be in other people. My hope can't be in the things of this world. My hope, guys, 
has to be in Father God. My hope's got to be in the Word of God when I begin to see what it says to me. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. You guys getting ready to get taught here. This, this is going to spark something in you. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. 12 years. Now we may say, ah, 12 years doesn't seem that long. 12 years is a long time. And that flow of blood was a hemorrhaging within her. And so just think this for a little bit. Every day when she woke up, her condition was right before her. Every day, there was never a day off. And so over that time of 12 years, you can imagine what begins to happen as a human being. The, the things of life begin to chip or chisel away at your hope. And you begin to think, oh my gosh, am I, am I going to be this way my whole life? Or maybe, is this going to ultimately kill me? Verse 28, or verse 26, excuse me. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. So you know what that tells me? At this point in her life, she, she had no opportunity to be healed except she thought through these physicians. So evidently, they were doing things to her physical body that was causing great uh, pain upon her. It doesn't stop there and it says, And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So now she's exhausted everything that she knows. Doctors, I believe all the medication she was taking, and she was no better, she grew worse. So just put yourself in her position right here. You think all her hope's gone? See, this is what happens when we put all our hope just in people or things. Because when we exhaust all those, there's nothing left. We are now at a dead end. But oh, here's where you're getting ready to get blessed. Verse 27. And when she heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus. What do you think she heard about Jesus? She started healing all, hearing all the tests. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's, he's the man of God. He's the man with miracles. And so when I read this right here, when she heard about Jesus, you know what that did on the inside of her? It stirred up faith in what seemed a hopeless situation. You know what I believe right here she becomes when she hears about Jesus? She's now becoming a prisoner of hope. It's resurrected hope back in here. Now remember what I said earlier. Hope sets the table. It sets the goal. Faith obtains it. Listen guys, when there is no hope, faith will shut down. They go hand in hand and hand in hand and hand. Now some of you right now, you're in a situation that there is no hope. When she heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus. Just as this woman heard about Jesus, God is no respecter of persons, okay? When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. And you know what goes on here? Her hope birthed acting on her faith. You want to see something else real good? 
when she heard about Jesus, she went in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. You know what that tells me? Today. Today. She didn't say, next week I'm going to do it. She didn't say tomorrow. She said, today. And so you know what this shows me? I mean, she grasped a hold of that. So I'm telling you that no matter what you're going through, today, God will still move right now, today, when we get a hold of this. Verse 28. For she said, and once again, hope will become expressed not only in the way I think, but the way I speak. Because when you begin to think things, ultimately it's going to come out of your mouth. For she said, now get this, I believe when she saw Jesus, she starts making a beeline toward him, and she's saying the whole way, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. If I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. I believe she began to speak her expectation. Her expectation. If you noticed here, she didn't say, oh, I wish something good would happen to me today. I wish, no, there was no, no, no talk of that at all within her. Keep reading. For she said, if I only may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. I shall be made well. Now that's bold right there. I shall be made well. If you'll notice here, she didn't say, if it's God's will, I'll be made well today. You know what? If she would have lived with that mentality, she would have died. She would have just flat out died right there. Now I want you to think about some things in this woman's life. She has no strength, I don't believe. She's tired. She's broke. She's at the low of low in her life. But she understands by hearing the word about Jesus, it triggered a faith within her. You know what else is huge in her life? When she had that flow under their customs, she was not allowed to be around the public. And so for her to be in the public, you know what she risked? Going to jail or dying. But you know what she said? I have nothing to lose. I've exhausted everything I know in this natural realm. And she's saying, that's my hope right there. That's my hope. And see, that's where we got to get. Where we begin to say, you know what? My hope is in Him. My hope isn't in the things of this world. My hope's not in people. Verse 29, now get this. Immediately. The fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. You know what's incredible about this? You think about this in your own life. How many of you have ever had pain in your body? Every one of us. Some of you got pain right now. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. God's going to move in your life today. But the very moment that she touched the hem of his garment, immediately she knew. My point in saying that, how many of us had pain? We know immediately when we're healed. When you got an earache, you know when it's healed. Think about for 12 years of her life. Now all this was birthed. All of a sudden, a woman who was at a dead end in her life, she hears the good news about Jesus. See, this is what the Word of God will do for us. Verse 30. 
And Jesus immediately, knowing himself, that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? So you know what Jesus understands here? Someone put a demand on me. Someone put a demand on me. Now, when I look at this, and even his disciples will bear witness with this in a, in a couple more sentences. Do you think with all those people that were surrounded Jesus, do you think she was the only one that had a need that day? There was multitudes of them. But you know what the difference was? This woman had faith that was birthed out of hope. And she aggressively pursued Jesus. As I thought about it right there, Matthew eleven twelve says, The kingdom of heaven suffer violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, you know what I think she did? When she saw Jesus, not only did she start walking to him and saying, If I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. I believe, guys, she was pushing. She was shoving. i got to get to Jesus. i got to get to Jesus. I gotta, in, in a roundabout way, she's like, I, I'm desperate for him today. I got, her focus was Jesus. And I think about that. How many times in our life am I that desperate where I say, Jesus, Jesus, I've got to have you today. Now look what he goes on, or goes on to say here. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And Jesus looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and he fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Told him everything here. And you know what's interesting? This lady didn't go up to Jesus and introduce herself. She didn't go up and say, excuse me, Mr. Jesus, I'm Sally. I'm Judy Attitude. She didn't go up and say anything. She didn't go up to him and ask for permission. She didn't say, would you lay hands on me? Would you pray for me? She didn't do none of that. But yet she was still healed. Now look what Jesus' response to her in verse 34. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What did he say? He said, your faith, because you look to the source of healing, he said, your faith has made you well. In other words, he didn't rebuke her and say, how dare you grab the hem of my garment? You know what's interesting? She, she did not touch Jesus. She touched the hem of his garment. You know, when they begin to sing this morning about show me your glory to come into your presence, I believe she understood that. All i got to do is get in his presence. i got to get in his And when I get in his presence, the things in my life that seem hopeless, he can change. And when I read this, I think, here just days before, this woman who was in a situation that seemed hopeless is now healed. Is now healed. Has Jesus changed? He hadn't changed a bit. He's just looking for ones like us that will reach out and say, Okay, Father God, I've, I've exhausted 
all my energy, I've exhausted my resources. Whether that was looking to man or the things of this world. And you know what? When you become at a dead end in your, in your life, that's not a fun place to get to because you've got to go through a bunch of junk. But once you get there and finally come to the conclusion in your life, it's only by Him. That's a good place to be. Stand up with me this morning here. I just want to ask you right now, just, just reverently bow your head before the Lord here.